That, by the way, is from the message translation of the Bible, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 8. Jesus, um, when he first started out, didn't have anybody to go ahead of him and put up billboards and posters. No radio adverts, no television commercials. Jesus, the Bible says, went out, sat on the side of the mount and started teaching, started preaching. And after that first sermon, it was so powerful, it was so gripping that Bible scholars have decided or, or believe that there were some 20,000 people that followed him thereafter. In other words, wherever he went teaching and preaching, he would have 20,000 people following him and listening to what he had to say. A staggering number of people. And that in a day when there was no PA system, no microphones, it would be looking for the most ideal place to preach. And by the way, I've been to the place called the Sermon, where they had the Sermon on the Mount. Um, they, call them, they call it that, actually. They named that mount or that place after the Sermon on the Mount. It's like a natural amphitheater. And it was there that Jesus taught and challenged and encouraged and engaged the hearts of those who had come to hear. The thing that we discover about Jesus' preaching method is that it's quite unlike what most people are used to today. He used a device, a teaching device, called the parable. And a parable, very simply, uh, in the Greek, means to throw alongside. And so what Jesus is doing is he's taking spiritual truth and he's throwing it alongside earthly truth or earthly experience. He's speaking to people in terms or in ways that they can understand, that they can identify with. Now, it's interesting. We don't have any record of Jesus having an altar call. We don't have record of Jesus appointing greeters and ushers to greet new people and people that don't know Christ. There's nobody handing out four spiritual laws or, or trying to get people to sign a visitor's card. Jesus, rather, is interested in people engaging themselves in truth. That's what he's trying to do. In a parable, he doesn't, doesn't state everything that needs to be said. He, basically, what he's doing is he's trying to whet their appetite so that they would have a hunger and a thirst for truth. That's what a parable is supposed to do. And it was very effective because people wanted to know more. In fact, in Mark chapter 4, it says that this was really uh, uh, the method that Jesus used most. Go around teaching and preaching in parables. It was actually common, a common device used by many of the teachers of the day. And what would happen is that once a person was engaged, once a person heard these ideas, heard the truth, they would want to know more. And they would want to get closer to the master. They would want to start asking questions. They'd want to discover what, it, what is he driving at. And so we read further on down in Matthew chapter 13, verses 19, verses 19 to 20, where Jesus gives his disciples, who now are really, really intrigued, he gives his disciples an explanation of what he meant by that parable. 
What, what does it mean, Jesus? What, what, what were you trying to say? This morning, my prayer as, as pastor and preacher, teacher, is that you would not just be hearers of the word, but that you would be engaged and allowing the Holy Spirit to take the truth and apply it to your heart so that you don't leave here the way you came. It would be, in my opinion, it would be a sad thing if you came, sort of did your duty, and, and out of here. God wants relationship with you. He wants to engage your heart and your mind so that you are transformed, so that you are changed. He wants you to have a revelation. How many know today that God still speaks and still wants to speak to your heart? For some of you, you remember that day when you had that aha moment. You remember that day when God penetrated your heart and all of a sudden the lights came on and you began to understand what it was really all about. I remember when I was eight years old in Stockades, Calvary Temple. Pastor Cantillon was preaching then. I'm just curious, does anybody here remember when Pastor Cantillon was a pastor at Calvary Temple? Does anybody remember that? Boy, I'm, oh, there's one person, thank you. I think, are you older than me? <laughs> no, 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 we won't go there. But here's the thing, I don't remember what he preached about. I don't remember what the sermon was about. But I do know this, that whatever he said engaged my heart, and it was like somebody flicked a switch in my heart. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember that day when the, flick, the switch was flicked in your heart, and the lights came on, and you wanted to know more? And I, I remember, well... The others around me might have been talking or fidgeting or whatever. I was sitting and listening, hanging on every word that Pastor Cantalon was saying. And he said, I want everybody to close your eyes now. And he, we all closed our eyes. He said, if anybody here wants to ask Jesus into their heart, stand up. Before, he just got the word off his tongue, and I was on my feet like that. Because I knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that this is what I wanted. My heart had been engaged. I had the aha moment, or what Alison Lowe always calls the, the epiphany, the revelation when God appears, when the truth becomes clear. Jesus now wants to teach his listeners a lesson about the power of his word, to trans listen to this, the power of his word to transform your life so that your life will be a success, so that your life will have worth and value, so that your life will be productive. That is what this parable is really all about. So that you will be assured and confident of a relationship with God Almighty. So this morning... I'm going to say this to you, that the most productive people are those who are yielded or surrendered or open, I'm a thesaurus this morning, or open to God's word. Listen to what Jesus says here. Read it with me. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. Can we stop there for a moment? 
The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. So here's what, here's what Jesus is saying. That the good soil, or the good heart, the open heart, the engaged heart, is a heart that truly hears and understands God's word. Jesus is referring to his word as good seed, or seed. And look what happens when that receptive heart receives the word of God. This is really powerful. It's a transform, revolutionize your life if you listen to this and apply it. Is your heart engaged yet? Here's what Jesus says. That the one who truly hears and understands God's word will produce a harvest 30 and 60 and 100 times as much as had been planted. All it takes is the seed of God's word planted in your heart into a heart that's open to God. It's that heart that experiences God's blessing. It's that heart that experiences all that God wants for you. I don't know if you know it or not, but God wants to bless you today. I don't know if you know it or not, but God wants you to be a success in your marriage. He wants your marriage to be successful. How many know that today? God wants that for you. He wants that for your marriage. He doesn't want your marriage to go on as it is. God wants you to have a great family. He wants you to have a great relationship with your kids. He wants your kids to have a great relationship with you. This is what God wants, in case anybody had any question about that. God wants you to do well in your job. He wants you to be able to get along with your, with your workmates. He wants you to be, if you're a boss, he wants you to be a great boss. He wants you to be productive. But here's the problem with so many of us, is that we start with the wrong issue. Because the real issue is not how do I have a better marriage or how do I, how do I raise my kids right or, or how do I be a better boss or be successful at my job or at my career. The question is this. What is God's formula? Or what is God's plan? Or what's God's way to make that happen? And the Bible is clear. Your heart needs to be open to the word of Jesus, to God's word. The Word of God needs to find a place in your heart where it can take root and produce a harvest. Now, this is, listen, this is not just, there's not just one verse in the Bible that teaches this. We find Jesus saying this in all kinds of different ways. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what? You'll keep my commandments. Greater things will you do. Amazing. Jesus talks about the foolish man and the wise man. The wise man built his house on what? On the rock of God's word. So here's the thing. If you are a Christian today and you want to follow Jesus with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then you need to understand that we're not talking about religious activity now. We're talking about a relationship with God whereby our hearts are open to the truth, open to God's word. That's what makes you productive. That's what makes you a success. That's what makes you great. That's what gives you worth. Now here's the thing. Jesus, 
in helping us understand this idea of allowing his word to be planted in good soil. He gives us, he states the truth in a negative sense so that we can understand this. It's, it's, it's important to do that at times. In other words, for instance, in order for us to understand what happiness is, we've got to know what unhappiness is, right? In order for us to understand how rich we are, we need to recognize that maybe that time when we were poor was a means of God teaching us. So God uses some of these negative aspects in our lives to teach us the truth that liberates us and sets us free. And so here's what Jesus says. Verse 19, Jesus talks about the seed that fell on the footpath. He says, this is what Jesus says in verse 19 of Matthew 13. He says, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. They don't get it. And then Jesus says, then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. I want to tell you this. The heart that's been trampled by sin, the heart that's been trampled by the philosophies and the patterns of this world, the heart that's been trampled by, by bitterness and resentment that's been allowed to flourish, this is the heart that is closed to God's Word. And so this morning, here's the thing. If you're sitting here and you're allow, you've allowed resentment and bitterness to build up in your heart, if you've allowed anger to have its way in your life, if you've allowed skepticism about the faith and about Jesus Christ and what he's done to, for you, then your heart is like that path, that footpath that Jesus talks about. It's hard as a rock. No seed is going to penetrate that ground. If you've allowed cynicism to fill your heart, you're cynical about the church and about Christians and about the pastors and, 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 and organized religion, I mean, you, you've heard it all, and maybe you've, you've said it. Then your heart becomes hard, and you, the truth cannot penetrate your heart. This is what Jesus is saying. That's the soil, Jesus says, that cannot receive the word of God. That's the heart that cannot receive the truth. The truth that sets people free. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. Is that, is that your heart? You allowed your heart to get hard, hardened. You've been listening to the talking heads on television, all those that ridicule and talk about how ridiculous Christianity is, and you've, you've panicked, and you thought, well, maybe they've got a point, and maybe my faith is not as solid as I thought it was. Maybe it is all just a myth, and next thing you know, your heart is hard, hard, and the truth cannot penetrate it. Then Jesus goes on to talk about the rocky soil. Here's what he says in verse 20 of Matthew 13. He says, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, Jesus says, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing 
God's word. Well, there's a lot of people like that, isn't there? In fact, maybe some of us here are like that. You came to church, pastor preached a good message. Oh, you're excited. You, you left here on cloud nine. But you never, you never went further with it. You never, you never went deep. You never got engaged. You never developed that hunger and that thirst for more. And so the roots didn't go in. And the first sign of problems, of difficulty, of struggle, boom, it's over. And you walked away. You abandoned the whole thing. That's what Jesus is talking about here. You're thrilled to serve God until persecution comes up, until someone laughs at you for your faith, until your peers say, you don't really believe that stuff, do you? I told you about the fellow that we went to see about doing a logo. He says, tell me about your church. And so I said, okay, I'll be glad to tell you about my church. And so what I did is I just sat there and I gave him the gospel message. He's sitting there with his arms crossed, and he said, you know, I grew up, in a, uh, I grew up going to church. He said, but I never heard it like this before. I said, well, what part didn't you hear? Well, he said, you don't really believe that Jesus shed his blood for my sins. I said, I sure do, because that's what the Bible says. In fact, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, their sins cannot be taken away. There's no remission of sin. Really? This is a guy that grew up in church all his life. Went to church, crossed himself at the right times, took the hosts, did, did communion, did the catechism, was confirmed, the whole, the whole nine yards. Went through the motions very religiously, but did not have a clue about this truth that is life-transforming. Some of us are like that today. Our hearts are very shallow. The roots haven't gone down very deep. And the fact of the matter is, is that right now, we're just a little bit ambivalent about the whole thing, a little bit shaky, unsure. This is my friend, this morning, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And the Spirit of God wants you to know today that there's something better for you. I'm going to tell you about that in a moment. The third soil that Jesus talks about is the, is the soil that's been choked by weeds. The seeds take root, they grow up, but before long the weeds choke it out. And the truth is gone. And maybe that's you today. The cares of this life, your own career, it's choked out, choked out the truth of God's word. And the, the word of God is having no effect on you. In fact, you, maybe you're one of those people who say, I open the Bible, I read it, and it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't touch my heart. Could it be, could it, could it be that you've allowed the weeds of this world to choke out the eternal truth that sets you free? You know what weeds I'm talking about, don't you? your career, your job, making money, maybe health issues, stress. I mean, that's what, that's what it says here. Jesus says this. He says, but to, all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. 
So no fruit is produced. The thing that's become most important to you is not, not hearing God's word, not allowing the word of God to, to, to quicken your heart and to challenge you and to change you. What's, what's taken first place in your life are things that are, that are temporal or temporary. We, we talk about the temporal versus the eternal. What's the difference? Eternal means it's going on forever and ever. Temporal means it's temporary. It ain't going to last. Let me ask you the question this morning. What is the most important thing to you? The things that are temporal, the things that are going to pass away, the things that won't last, or the things that are, are eternal, that are going to go on and last forever. Let me tell you this, my friends. The only thing that's going to last forever is your soul, is you. And the only thing that really matters is your relationship to God because that's all that will last for eternity. Are you allowing the Spirit of God to speak to your heart this morning? When I was in Bible school, I'm just going to sound like bragging, but I'm not bragging. Okay, everybody? I'm not bragging. In my first year of Bible school, there's usually just one award given to the first-year students. And I was sitting at the end, never having been to a ceremony like this before. I, was, I, I did not for one minute believe that when they were announcing this next award that I would be the one that, that was going to win it. But this award was given to the young Bible college student, young man in Bible college, who was doing well academically, who was engaged doing spiritual activity and ministry, who was involved in the life of the school, and on and on and on. I won't, I won't continue to bore you with the details of how wonderful I was then. But the fact of the matter is I won that award. And the guy sitting beside me, who... Uh, who thought he was going to win it, looked at me with daggers and was really quite upset about it because he thought he should have won. In my second year of Bible school, I thought, you know what, I'm going to win. I'm going to clean up this year. I'm going to get the best awards and have the best marks and on and on. So you know what I did? Something very stupid. I allowed the weeds of pride and academics take over my relationship with God and my relationship with the people in the school and, and, and ministry. It was the worst year of my life. I was in the library studying all the time. I was, I was doing well and really wanted to do well. But when it came time for graduation ceremonies, I was a very unhappy boy. And I realized, God spoke to my heart, I realized that I had wasted a whole year. Oh, I did my studies and I, you know, I, I got good marks and, and, and learned what I needed to learn. But I missed out on the most important thing of all. And that was allowing God's word to penetrate my heart so that I would be a lighthouse 
I would be an instrument of his love to broken people around me. And I repented and I said, God, forgive me. I will not let this happen again. In my third year, it was very different. I was, I was saying, God, use me wherever you can. I'll do whatever you want. My, my marks weren't quite as good as they were in my second year, but I can tell you this, that I, I won the, the Mabel Olson Award. Anybody ever hear Mabel Olson? Me neither. <laughs> don't, don't know who she is. I don't know what, what she's all about, but I won that award. God spoke to me. And, and here's what God said to me. Alan, the most important thing is not making a name for yourself. It's not winning the awards because these things are temporal. What matters? What matters is that your heart is open so that I can use you for my purposes. Can I ask you a question this morning? When's the last time God used you to make a difference in the hearts and the lives of others? You see, what you, what you and I don't often remember is that you and I are God's extension here on this earth. We are his hands and his feet. We're the ones that God uses to bless this broken and hurting world. But you become, I become useless but my heart is no longer open to what God wants to do in me and through me. Is your heart thorny, full of weeds today? It's choking out the truth. Is your heart rocky so that you're shallow and you've got no spiritual depth? Is your heart like that hard ground with the word cannot penetrate? Jesus says the seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word. That means they do it with what God says. Now, how can we have a heart like this? How can we be productive? How can we have a fantastic marriage, a fantastic family life? How can we be the best in our career? Interestingly enough, it's not pursuing those things. It's pursuing God. It's putting God first. My friends, here's your priority now. And how many know you can't have several priorities because if you've got several priorities, then you've got no priorities. You have one priority, and here it is. Are you ready? Your one priority is to know God and allow Him to have His way in your heart. When you do that, you produce, Jesus says, you produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. I don't know if there's anybody here today who would say, I don't want to have a harvest like that. Of course you do. You want to do well whatever you are connected with. And it's going to happen when you are connected to Jesus, when your heart's open to God, when he's number one in your life. My grandmother had a garden. And uh, my sister will remember this. Grandma, she, I don't know how many hoes she had in her garden. She must have had about six or seven of them, at least one for each of us kids. There's four of us. And she taught us how to use that hoe. I don't know if my sister actually had to do the work. I think it was just the boys. My sister got to sip Coke and watch, I think. We, we'd go, no, I'm just joking. We'd go in that garden and, 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 and turn the earth over. 
Get the fork in there, get the, the, ground, the fork in there or the rototiller or the hoe and break up the ground and, and turn it. And she'd say, it's because, so the water can penetrate to the roots because the earth needs air. And then after that, she'd get us on her knees and she, she would say, and we, what we have to do is we've got to pull out the cooch grass. Anybody know what cooch grass is? It's long grass. It's, got, it's grass that's got long, long roots in it. And Grandma says that that's what wrecks the, wrecks the garden. And so we were down there pulling out, and we had piles and piles of weeds and, 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 and thistles and, and you name it, cooch grass. And I remember complaining one day and saying, Grandma, do, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm not doing that. I don't want to come to this place anymore. I want to go home to Winnipeg. I want to go to the city, to the concrete, concrete streets where there's no weeds. And I'm pulling up these weeds, and she takes, me, takes my face by the chin, which is very uncharacteristic of her, but she did it this time. She picked up my chin, and she said, look at the strawberries. Don't you love those? Look at the peas. You come here every day and pick peas and eat fresh peas out of the garden. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raspberries, corn, beans. She's the way that you enjoy a rich harvest. And it's not exactly how she said it, but this is what she said. The way that we enjoy this rich harvest is by making sure that this ground is in good shape. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. Because the way that you are going to enjoy a rich harvest in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your, in your friendships, in your job, is to make sure the soil of your heart has been tilled, has been turned, so that God can penetrate that heart of yours. And so that your heart can receive the nourishment that will make you healthy, and wealthy, and so that you can produce a harvest 30, 60, and 100 times what you have. You say, Pastor, that's what I want, but my heart's hard today. What should I do? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. The psalmist, after he was caught sinning against God and against his people and against Uriah the Hittite, He wrote, penned the, the words of Psalm 51, probably one of the most powerful psalms in the Bible. Psalm 51, maybe the most powerful passage of Scripture. It's a, it's a psalm about a repentant heart. And here's the conclusion that David comes to. He says this in Psalm 51, 17. He says, The sacrifices you desire, Lord, our broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O oh God. What we're talking about, folks, is rototilling your heart, breaking up that hard ground. A broken and contrite heart, God will not reject. Some of us have allowed our hearts to become hard. Some of us have allowed our heart to be full of rocks and obstacles so that the roots are not going down anymore, and we become very cold and cynical about Christianity, about God. Some of us have allowed the weeds 
of this life, to choke out the truth that we were once so excited and so thrilled with. This morning, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And he's calling you to enjoy the abundant life. That's his wish for you. I'm going to close with this. The people of Israel had become hard-hearted. And they had allowed their hearts to become like the soils that Jesus speaks about in this parable. Hard, rocky, shallow, thorny, full of weeds. And they'd forgotten God. God was not part of their life. God was not part of, of who they were anymore. And God, in his great love, had to discipline his people, the people of Israel. And it's a time, it was a time of great discipline and judgment on the people of Israel, not because God hated them, but because God loved them. You need to understand that today, people. When you're going through a hard time, and if you're going through a hard time, it's not because God hates you, but it's because God's trying to get your attention. And this is what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Look, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in, and I will commune with you. Jeremiah pronouncing these judgments on the people and the people are saying we thought God loved us we thought God was on our side why is God rejecting us why does God hate us and Jeremiah is saying you don't get it that's not the truth but you have rejected God and you've let your heart grow hard and here's what God wants to say to you children of Israel and here's what God wants to say to you cross church for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord. Their plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. Some of you are sitting here today and you are at this very moment as I'm speaking, you are going through a tough time. Some of you have been going through a tough time for some months now, for some years. And I want you to know that this is not the end of the story. God loves you and he's on your side. He cares about you and he wants the best for you. What he's calling you to do is to respond to his love by allowing your heart to be broken so that your heart may receive the nourishment of his love, of his truth, of his word. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much has been planted. For some of us, this morning has been a wake-up call. And God's calling you to get back on track again and experience all the blessings he wants to pour out on you. He calls you to repent. He calls you to have a broken heart so that you may receive once again what he wants you to have received. Would you stand with me, please, as we pray?
God, this morning, we just want to acknowledge what a great and loving Father you are. God, you're not, you're not standing by in the heavenly places ready to smack us every time we make a mistake or every time we get it wrong or every time we, we forget. You're a father that really loves us and wants the very best for us. And as a father who would discipline his children, so God, you will discipline us. And you want us to come to the place of full surrender to your purposes, to your will. For some of us, it's been a long time since we've opened our Bibles. It's been a long time since we've listened to the Word of God. It's been a long time since we've allowed you to penetrate those dark places in our heart, those deep places in our heart. This morning, God, you're calling us to full surrender to you, to pick up that Bible again and allow that Word to penetrate our hearts. God, thank you this morning that you've given us your Holy Spirit whose job it is to apply the word to our hearts. This morning we want to open our hearts to you and say, Lord Jesus, have your way in me. Have your way in my life. And we want to give you thanks now in Jesus' name. And everyone say that with me. Amen.